turn to um, Luke, and we're going to look at it from the KGV, I mean KJV. You can look at it from any version, but we're going to look at Luke 2, verses 8 through 11. And, um, and I'm going to read that from the KJV, and it says this. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were so afraid. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. But I also want to pair that today with um, Old Testament. And I would that you'd go look at Jonah. And this I'm going to do from the NIV. And, I, and we're going to look at, well, Jonah, I'm going to tell you now, Jonah is an amazing, amazing um, book that God left us with. And we'll talk about why in a moment. And I know you've probably never heard a Christmas message coming out of Jonah. You know, but that's what we do. We do it a little different sometimes, bro, Carl. So today we're going to look at Jonah and the Christmas message that's coming out of there. Let's, let's start in chapter 3, and I'm going to read it from the NIV, verses 1 through 5, verse 10. Then we're going to jump over to Jonah chapter 4. And here's what it says, chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city. Hold on, let me, let me read that again because you may have missed something. The verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Somebody called it. Okay, all right. I'm just, just wondering. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. and It took three days to go through it. And when they say there are three days, a day's walk during that time was about 15 miles. So when they say a city took three days, that means that city was 45 miles wide. Nineveh was a huge, huge place. And so it took, here, here's what it said. Here's what, let, let's look at verse four. And Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city. So he went about 15 miles into the city, about a third of the way in. And then he started proclaiming. Listen to what he said. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Verse 5 says, the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. And I'm going to skip over to verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But let's keep on going into chapter 4. But to Jonah, anytime you start off with the contraction, but, it's a contrasting conjunction. So that means that whatever just happened, something else about to happen. Now listen to this. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. I know y'all read Jonah before. You may not have studied it closely, but let's get into this. Because listen to what it says. I won't, and yeah, I'm going to tell you in a minute. Jonah was an Old Testament prophet. 
a person that God trusted with his word. But listen to what it says. Now, this is a book that we believe Jonah wrote. And here he's, he's, he's spilling out there because even though God uses the prophets to scribe and to write it, it is goodness. So sometimes even in their own words, they put themselves on blast. Listen to what Jonah said. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, and you're going to see in a moment how crazy this is. But he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord? When I was still at home, didn't I say this? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. I knew this about you. Now, Lord, take away my life. For it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry. This morning, we want to use, we're going to pair those, those scriptures from Luke and those scriptures from Jonah. And today, we're not, you're not going to get that traditional message of the baby in the manger. He ain't in the manger no more. But today... We're going to use for a title, Where Are My Good Tidings and Great Joy Today? Where are my good tidings and great joy today? Now, the angel, God sent an angel to tell those shepherds that he had glad tidings, good tidings, and of great joy that were coming. And we don't listen. Let me let me back up a moment because we don't even use the word tidings today. I'll bet you that you, you, you it's almost today is the 25th. And I'm willing to bet if everybody will be honest that if I ask those of you who who has used the word tidings this year to stand, almost nobody would stand up unless they said they were reading this scripture. We don't use that kind of we don't talk like that. Good tidings. You don't even know what that is. So what is a tiding? A tiding is just information, recent news. It's just news. That's what the angels were telling the shepherds, that I got news for you. Good news of great joy. I got news for you. And, and, and so the word tidings don't really mean good or bad. It just means news. And that's why Luke specifically said that the angel said good tidings. And, and, and so he, but, and he also said he was going to bring good news and great, of great joy to all people. And so, has anybody looked at the news lately? Man, it is, I'm serious, it is difficult to look at the news. Well, it's easier to look at the internet and social media, right? It is, seems like there's almost nothing good. When you open up your tablet or you look at your phone or you turn on the TV, it seems like all the news is bad. And then, but, but on a day like today, 
this is Christmas and we sing about joy to the world and all the, the great. But so it, it should be great. This, this season, this holiday season, we even say Merry Christmas. I'll say again. Other than Christmas, we don't use the term Merry. We would say Happy Christmas. Merry means happy. But nobody in here probably told you this morning Happy Christmas. We don't talk like that. So we don't say so Merry. So when this great season of joy, you would think that this is the great time, right? Well, you would be wrong. In fact, I got an email from my, um, from my healthcare company last week, and they wanted me to make certain that I, I, I don't know, it, it, my wife may have spoofed it. It may not have been from my healthcare because they wanted to make sure that I was working out and everything, and she's been on me about working out uh, since COVID. And um, that's my New Year's resolution. Well, no, I don't do resolutions either. But anyway, I'll get back to that. Um, but I got an email from my healthcare company, and they did. They wanted me to be make certain that we were, I was getting the right amount of rest, and you know you're drinking water and you're taking care of yourself. You know why they sent that email? Because they sent me a link, and they say what they know is that there are more heart attacks last week of December than any other time of the year. Here's what else they know. You know what day is first? December 25th. You know what day is second? December 26th. You know what day is third? January 1st. People are under stress. It's a time that should be happy, but are we happy? Christians ought to be the most joyful and gracious people on the planet, but are we? Are we? Not should we be, are we? And so that angel brought some game-changing news to those shepherds in Luke chapter 2. But does that get us excited today? You know, there's a lot of reasons for why people are under so much stress, and that's not even really my point. But I just thought it was interesting that this time of the year that is supposed to be so happy is not. And I also thought how crazy it is that all the news seems not to be so good. So let's get back to the text because the angel was informing the shepherds at night and then we got the Old Testament prophet. And now again, you hear about the angels and the shepherds every December. So this time we're going to talk a little bit about Jonah. And, and so we started in, 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 hold on, before we go back to Jonah, let me set the stage because you, you've heard what the angel said, you've heard what Jonah wrote, and you see that already he's upset. So we got to get back to that and see what's got this man so upset. But before we do that, let's set the stage. Here's the stage. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and look at verses 14 through 21. Let's just look at this to set the stage for a second. Okay, here's, here, here's what it says. Let's start at verse 14. It says this, for Christ's love compels us. Now, this, this, is, this, this is setting the stage. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Let's keep going. And he died for all. Those who should, know, who should live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Let me tell you what he's saying here. Because Paul is making the claim to this Corinthian church that 
They don't really belong to themselves, but they belong to Christ who died for them. Earlier in the text, he had made the case that he purchased them with his blood. And even their own bodies were not theirs. They were just temples of his Holy Spirit. So he's making that case, and now he's saying he's going to go further. Because look what he said. He said, he died so that those who live, we don't live for ourselves. Okay, this is important. You got to set the stage. Look at verse 16. He says, so from now on, everybody say now on. That's what he said. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We're trying to set the stage because we're trying to figure out what happened to the good news and the great joy that so many Christians are missing. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Look, look. He says, though once regarded, though though we once, once regarded Christ in this way, we don't any longer. Look what he says. Therefore, everybody say therefore. That's what it says. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. A new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. The old is gone and the new is here. You can already see where some of this is going. Because the old creation, what it took to make us happy, is not what makes us happy now. So maybe we're looking to the wrong places for excitement and for news. Maybe we need to stay more focused on him and his word. We're going to get back to Jonah in a minute. We're going to get back to Jonah in a minute. Listen, he said, the old has gone and the new is here. Look what he says in verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And then what did he do? And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We get this because now we're teaching. Jonah had to be taught this. Come on, we we gonna, we we getting back there. God has given us the same ministry that he started in Jesus Christ. The ministry of reconciliation, drawing all men from all cultures, all races, all nations, drawing them to himself through Jesus Christ. That's the ministry of reconciliation that we have. Watch where he's going. Let's keep going. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Look what he said, not counting people's sins against them. Y'all better get this. This is key. He's not counting their sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation, committed it to us. But the first thing he's doing, he's not counting their sins against them. There's a word for that. When, you don't, when your sins are not counted against you, that word is called forgiveness. I'm not going to bury the lead. We're getting there. Let's keep going. Verse 20. We are therefore God's ambassadors. We're his ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. Do y'all get that? He is making his appeal to the world through us. Man, it seemed like God could have made a better choice than somebody like me. But that's his choice. And that's what Jonah had to figure out. God is sovereign. He chooses to do whatever he wants. 
And it's our decision whether or not we're going to work with them or whether we're going to work against them. So because we know this, this is what Paul says, because we know this, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's what he's saying. Folks, this is what Christmas is all about. And look what he says here as we wrap up. Because God made him (laughs) who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might be righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Mm. Man, that's what I get excited about for Christmas. So in the Old Testament, he gave his word to the prophets. In the New Testament and today, God has given his word to the church. And his word is the good news. So where is the great joy? Well, let's start out by trying to figure out what in the world happened with Jonah. Let's go back to uh, chapter 3 um, in, in, in Jonah. Let's go back. Chapter 3. And I think I told you to start in, in verse 1. Here, here's, here, here's, what, here, here's what we say. Okay. First of all, that whole point about the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Somebody caught that early. But listen, Jonah, I told you, it's, a, it's, it's an amazingly deep, practical, theological um, book that's full of wisdom. And it's a simple read. It's four chapters, like 48 verses. Two chapters, there's only 10 verses. One chapter, there's 11 verses. And the longest chapter is 17 verses. Everybody can read that. You can read that today. I mean, because the Saints and the Cowboys played yesterday, so you can read that today. (laughs) You can, and there's so much wisdom in it. Because when it first thing he says here, and I don't, because I, I, I say this and I, and I gave you a handout so that in your time that today or this week, you can because we don't have time to go back and go through it all. But he, the fact that he said a second time, that tells you that Jonah didn't listen the first time. And somebody might understand that. Is there anybody here, you don't have to raise your hand. Is there anybody here that don't always get what God is saying the first time? Don't, don't raise your hand. I'll just raise my hand for you. Well, but Jonah, it wasn't just that he ignored God. When you go back and read chapters 1 and chapter 2, what you'll see is he didn't just ignore God. He decided to disobey, to run away, to go the other way. And now y'all know the story because every, if you ask somebody what is Jonah about, they, 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 everybody knows about the well and Jonah being swallowed up. And, 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 and so, but, but the thing of it is, is he did that because he chose to be disobedient and he was running from God. Somebody in here today is running from God. Jonah was an Old Testament prophet. He wasn't a sinner. He wasn't a pagan. Listen, back in this day, they didn't have what we have as the scripture today. They had the law of Moses, and then God gave his words to the prophets. The prophet was the word. And here we have the prophet getting the word from God and running away and being disobedient. Somebody say, but God. God knew 
everything that there was to know. In fact, one of the first things on, I mean, I, I gave you a, a handout with the themes on it, and I gave you four themes. One of them I gave you was a theme. I said that God is sovereign. And the word sovereign is just a big word that simply means God does what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, he chooses to use who he wants. That's what sovereign means. And, 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 and so that's something that Jonah had, Jonah had to understand because what you're going to realize is Jonah did not appreciate this mission. Now, let me give you a little bit. Let me make certain, you, you, before I start bashing Jonah, you need to, you need to understand who he was. He, he, Jonah was a prophet to Israel, and, and, and he, was, he was called to be a prophet in around 793. This is B.C., so I don't want to get you caught up in dates because they, they, they're crazy. They go backwards. But eight years into his ministry, God called him to preach to Nineveh, which was a city in Assyria. Now, if you know a whole testament at all, you know that Assyria was a mortal enemy to Israel and Judah. They would just start a war if somebody sneezed. The Assyrians didn't like the Israelites. Well, nobody liked the Israelites. And the Israelites hated the Assyrians because they always had big armies and they would come over and they were neighbors. And they were pagan. They had all this stuff that they worshipped. So eight years into Jonah's ministry, now, Jonah actually, his ministry was 40 years. And here's the thing. Jonah had a 40-year ministry. And he was a minister. He was a prophet to Israel. We don't know anything about what Jonah said to Israel. The only thing that God preserved from Jonah's work is this mission trip that he sent him on to Assyria. This is all we know. This is the only writing that we have from Jonah. It was a mission trip that God sent him on. He didn't choose to go here. God sent him here. And he chose not to go. But God found him. Y'all know the story, right? And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but we're going to look at a little of it because the story is he decided he wasn't going to Nineveh, so he went down to Tarshish and got on a boat to sail the other way. He went down to Joppa, got on a boat to sail to Tarshish, which is the opposite way from, from Nineveh. And God knew that, and God sent a hurricane, a storm, that basically almost sunk the ship. Everybody on the boat thought they were going to die. The people on the boat were not, were not Israelites, but yet they believed in Jonah's God. Jonah, Jonah, listen, I'm, I'm going to show you something. I wasn't intending to go here, but I got to. Listen, here's what I'm trying to tell you. Look, look at chapter 1 in verse um, uh, 3. I'm going to just read this to you. You'll get it. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa. I'm reading from the NIV. In chapter 1, verses uh, 3. He found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw all the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had already gone below deck. He lay down, he fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, hey, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he'll take notice of you and we won't perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come on, let us cast lots. They, they, they don't know God. They're casting lots. They're trying to figure out how to get out of this mess. They think they're going to die. And the lots fell on Jonah. 
And they asked him, tell us, who's responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? And where do you come from? What's your country? And what people are you? Who are you? How many of you know that even though we're supposed to be representing Christ, when we won't represent him right, we put everybody else in danger? Jonah was supposed to represent God. They call it on their gods. He done called them out, and now he's on blast. Who are you? Now listen to what he said. I'm a Hebrew. Listen to what kind of witness this is. I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And this terrified them. And they asked him, what have you done? And they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them. And the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea come down, folks? You see this? He, listen to what he said. Pick me up and throw me into the sea and it will become calm. Because I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Y'all see this? Rather than do what God called him to do, Jonah would rather be thrown into the sea. Anybody ever felt like that? Rather than just do what God tells you to do, you'd rather tie yourself up in a knot and get yourself in all sort of mess. But listen, let's keep talking about Jonah. I ain't talking about you. Listen, look what he said. Instead, the men did their best to roll back to the land, but they could not. For the sea grew even wilder than before, and they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you please. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And look at this. At this the men feared the Lord and they offered sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Listen, Jonah is so reckless. His witness is so bad, but God still get the glory. I want y'all to see this because remember when we started, Jonah was out there mad at God. We getting there. Give me a moment. We're getting there. Because now that he threw him, oh, they, they throw him overboard. Now the Lord, verse 17, now the Lord provided a huge fish for Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Now listen. Jonah was clear when he wrote this. He didn't say a fish came by or some came by. He said the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. So Jonah thought he was running away from God, but he ran right into God had already provided an Uber. Out in the middle of the ocean. Listen to this though, because for the first time, chapter two, here's what it says, verse one. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. Listen to what he said. I want you to see this. Because you can always tell what's going on with somebody 
Not from the mess that they're in, but from the way they pray. Listen to this. Watch this. In my distress, I told you, he's writing it. I called the Lord and he answered me. Listen to this. Man, is anybody else in here grateful that even when we get ourselves in the biggest mess we can get in, that our God still listens to us? Is anybody else here grateful? Or is it just me? That's what it said in my distress. You can change that if you want to change that. I don't change scripture much, but you can, you can. It's almost like he said, in my mess, in my distress, I called the Lord and he answered me from the deep in the realm of the dead. I called for help and you listened to my cry. Whoa. Listen to what he said, though. Y'all get this. Get this. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas. He said, you hurled me. I know it was you. The, the, those men threw me overboard, but I know it was you. Listen to what he said. And the currents, they swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Look at it. Jonah's realizing at this point that all this stuff here is God's. Listen to what he's saying. And I said, I have been banished from your sight. I will look again toward your holy temple. Now he realizes, man, I ran away. I'm the one who ran away. You didn't run away from me, God. I ran away from you. I said, I've been banished from your sight. Yet I'll look toward your holy temple. God didn't tell him you've been banished. He said, that's what he felt. Sometimes we get ourselves in such a big mess. We feel like we outside. God can't see us anymore. Anybody been there? But listen to what he said. The engulfing waters, they threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down the earth beneath me in forever. Um, but you, O oh Lord, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. So it looks like Jonah's got his great joy back. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah on dry land. Okay. You just heard Jonah praying. But there's some things you didn't hear. You didn't hear God answering, and you didn't hear God say anything to Jonah. And here's something else you didn't hear. You didn't hear Jonah mention Nineveh at all. Make no mistake about it, Jonah still don't want to be in Nineveh. And then, after that, then we get to where we started in chapter 3 when it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And when he said it the second time, he said basically what he had said the first time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message I will give you. Now listen, I, I like this book because you see, as I told you earlier, Jonah was eight years into a 40-year ministry, so he wasn't a brand new prophet. But he was sent to Nineveh on a mission trip. You don't see this often in the Old Testament. 
Usually God sends a prophet either to Israel or to the southern kingdom of Judah. They rarely go outside of there, but God was doing something different. And Jonah wasn't ready for it. Today, y'all, God may be doing something different and you may not be ready for it. Man, listen, it's right here in the text. He heard God clearly, but he didn't want to go for several reasons. And we'll get to those in a moment. But the reason, one of the things I really love about this book is because it, it delves deeply into the effect of the word on the prophet. Let me say it a different way. This book delves into, it examines the effect of the word on the person who's given the word. Oftentimes when we go back in the Old Testament, we studied the, when you look at Ezekiel and, and Jeremiah and Isaiah and all of these Old Testament prophets, even the minor prophets. Most of the time we look at the word that they're delivering. In fact, even today, when we talk about Christmas, so many Isaiah and Jeremiah, so many of them had prophesied the Savior that was coming. We go back and we look at their word. I'm going to give you all the word that we have from Jonah. Go ahead. Look in your Bible in chapter 3, verse 4. Here's what it says. Chapter 3, verse 4. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's it. That's all we got. God did not save any more of the word that he gave to Nineveh. Not because the word isn't important to us. Clearly, he gave the word to Jonah. Then why didn't he put it here? Think about all that prophecy we have from Daniel and from Jeremiah and from Isaiah. We don't have that from Jonah. Why is that? Because God wanted us to see not the word itself, but the effect that the word had on the person who was delivering the word. Back then, Israel thought that they were it. They thought that they can go into the bathroom and do number two and it wouldn't stink. But we laugh at Israel, but folks, if we're not careful, we will develop that same mentality. We will think that because we already got it and we all good, that we're no longer excited about what it says. And we are then, when we get to that point, we are of no use to what God is trying to do for us here. But we got to, here's what we're trying to say. You got to understand, God wants to keep it fresh. And so all we got from what Jonah gave was this word from verse 4. That says 40 more days and Nineveh was going to be overthrown. We know he said some other stuff. So we look at the effect of the word. And, 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 and so oftentimes this book gets, um, you know, uh, subtracted, you know, and divided down to just, you know, the story about and gets reduced down to the story about a man and a fish. But folks, it's so much more than that. And it's also, you know, I always find it ironic. How, you know, you even, even in, in, when you look at Christian um, 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 commentary and stuff, they even debate whether or not, was this really a fish or was this like a metaphor or did this really happen? You know, maybe it's just a story, a myth and all of that. Well, listen, I would entertain that, except, but in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 38 through 42, Jesus referenced Jonah being in the stomach of a whale, of a fish. 
And if Jesus said it, folks, that's pretty much the way it is. So that was a fish that God provided that protected Jonah from the ocean and put, threw him up back where he needed to be. But even though Jonah resisted the call and he was disobedient, and you saw once where he was so suicidal, he'd rather just die. He told him, just throw me overboard. He never said, let's turn around. Let's go. He never said any of that. Just throw me overboard. I'm done. He may have been done, but God wasn't. And when they finally had no choice, they did throw him in the sea. But God had provided that fish to save his life. And today, we're trying to spend a few minutes really trying to understand if Jonah was really grateful or if he was mad for the mission that God had given him. And that's the question that we need to ask ourselves today. We read earlier that Paul told the Corinthian church and he he told them but his word was for us he said that we are ambassadors for Christ he said that God is making his appeal to the world through us but today we have to evaluate that and say do we job are we really interested in being God's vessel in this dark world well, you see here, Jonah was a prophet. If, if that's where you are, don't feel bad about it. Feel good that you're here today. Because Jonah was a prophet and he didn't want his mission. But that's why we read Paul's letter when he told us that we don't live for ourselves. We live for Christ. And, and, and so... What, 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 I, what I want to do for a moment, I want you to take a look, though, because we, we, we I want you to go ahead and look now, because you know now that the, 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 the Ninevites, they heard the message and they repented. And so that's where we ended up where we were earlier in chapter four. And in verse 10, in chapter three, when God saw what they did, he saw they repented. Listen. This is the holiday season. We've gone through Thanksgiving. Now we're in Christmas. And um, between Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, we spend a lot of time with family and friends. You're going to talk to a lot of people who don't, may not think like you. And let's not make the mistake that Jonah made. See, sometimes... God gives us the word, and we have the word, and we deliver the word, but man, we deliver it with the wrong heart. Sometimes we share with people the word in such a nasty, judgmental way that we act like we don't even want them to hear what we're saying. Listen, folks, if you're trying to minister to somebody who don't know Christ, Let me give you step number one. Don't act like they know Christ. If they don't know Jesus, they're not going to live like a Christian. So making them feel like there's no hope is the opposite of what you need to do. 
You need to let them know that there is hope. Because if there was hope for somebody like you and me, then there's hope for them. That was Jonah's problem. He took the message there, but man, his heart was so hard and he was hoping all while he was preaching that they would ignore his message because he did not want those Ninevites to be saved. Don't let that happen to you. If you know somebody who's living in sin, oh, absolutely don't compromise. There's a way. Jesus did it every day and many times every day. There's a way to tell them the truth. But we got to speak the truth in love. We got to give them hope for the future. And not just be judgmental because we don't have a heaven or a hell. And we need to stop acting like it. Jonah going to find this out because look what he did. And so when we look at verse chapter four, that's what Jonah thought was so wrong. He became angry. He looked with that. Now you hear him praying to the Lord. Listen to this. Isn't this what I said? He said, Lord, I knew you. I knew you were going to do this. Do y'all hear this? Is anybody else in there? He said, I didn't want to go preach the word because I knew you were going to save them folks. And Lord, you know that they're not worth saving. And therefore, that's why he thought that this was so wrong to the point that he got angry. He said, I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who, he said, I know you didn't want to send that calamity. But look what he said. Now, Lord, just take my life. How many of you heard what I said? I said, Jonah served in ministry for 40 years. He was on year eight. God wasn't done with him yet. God was just trying to reveal some things to him so that he can use them for the next 32 years. Folks, don't get tired of growing. Don't stop growing. Don't stop getting better. Let the Lord continue to reveal himself to you. If you're in the same place today that you were five years ago, you need to ask yourself a question about where's my good tidings and my great joy? Why am I not growing? Because God does not intend for you to stand still. If he can minister and grow this Old Testament prophet, then he can do it for you and me. But look at this guy. This guy's flat out angry. And that's when the Lord asked him, why, why, is it right for you to be so angry? Why are you so mad? And you saw this coming because the whole time Jonah was in the belly of that fish, he prayed for a lot of stuff himself, but he never said a word about, Lord, okay, I'm ready to go down to Nineveh. Never said a word. Because how many of you know, you hear me talk about this all the time, I, one of the things that I'll, I mean, until the Lord removes it from me, and my mom told me something an old preacher said a long time ago. She said they, they were talking about how bad the times were then. That was then when she was coming up. And she said, she told the pastor, pastor, just with all this stuff going on, it just seemed like people would be better. And she said that, pastor, so let me tell you something, Sister Kurt. She said, he told her, conditions don't make folk better. You got to have a change of heart. 
That's exactly what happened with Job. The conditions didn't make him any better. He was down in the belly of that fish and he was just as mad as he was when they threw him there. And he came out, God used him to preach the word, and he was just as mad as he was when he left. Conditions don't make folk better. You got to have a change of heart. And so God want to know why you're so mad. And instead of that sitting there taking this out with God, look what the Bible said he did in, in, chapter, in verse 5. Jonah gone out and sat down. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. He went on. He got out. He was mad. And he made himself a shelter. And he sat in the shade. And he, it was really hot out there. And he wanted to see what would happen to the city. He's just sitting there just waiting. He's still mad. He wanted something to happen to that city. But all while he mad, God provided him a leafy plant. This is what he said in verse 6. And he made it grow up on a, over Jonah. Look at this. Jonah's so mad at God. And God just sitting there. He cares so much about Jonah that he don't even want his head to get sweaty. That's what the Bible said. He made a plant just grow up over Jonah and provide shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was happy about the plant. Look what he said. He was happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. And then when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. And here he is again. See, this guy's suicidal. This is what it says. He's writing this. He say, it would be better for me to die than to live. Listen, when you're not right with your God, you see him wrestling here? He just want to die. He wanted to be done. Over. But look at what verse 9 said. And God said to Jonah, he said it the second time, is it right for you to even be angry about this plant? And look how twisted Jonah is. He said, it is. I'm so angry that I wish I was dead. You see how he's just completely lost his focus. Verse 10, but the Lord said, listen to this. You have been concerned about this plant, though you didn't tend it, so you didn't plant it, and you didn't make it grow. It sprang up overnight, and it died overnight. And should I, you're concerned about, listen to what he said, you're concerned about this plant. And should I not have concern for this great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and so many animals? Listen to what he said to him. He said, you mad about this plant, but you don't care nothing about these people. I look at us today and in our society today, and we know it's true. People care more about their pets than they do their neighbors. We thank God for Christmas every year. But somewhere along the line, we've lost our good news of great joy. And, and, and I got I, I to gotta stop. I, I got to sit down. 
Because, and I got I, I to gotta wrap this up, but I, I need you to understand some things. Because how in the world, you know, can we keep it fresh? How do we keep this message fresh? Because, they, I mean, and, and the main thing we can do, and I'm going to tell you, it starts with an F. Forgiveness is the key. Folks, God was teaching Jonah and the Ninevites about repentance and forgiveness. Repentance without God forgiveness is useless. We have to learn to forgive. Jonah was angry at those people. And there, we got lots of reasons why we don't want to forgive. You know, we say, well, have you forgiven? Well, they didn't apologize yet. Well, they don't have to apologize for you to forgive. You know, well, if they did apologize, they didn't show enough remorse. Oh, so now you, we, we were ju- we judging them. Y'all know, don't y'all look at me like that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Well, yeah, he said I'm sorry, but. And you know, there's other reasons we don't forgive. Sometimes we don't forgive others because we're just not ready yet. We just want to be mad for a little while longer. How I hear you, but I'm just not ready. You're not ready for what? You, you want to continue to fight against God? Well, I'm not ready for, oh, 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 haven't you been listening? I, I, I got to stop soon. Haven't you been listening? Jonah's real issue wasn't with the Ninevites, it was with God. And one of the reasons sometimes that it's so hard for us to forgive others others is because our real issue is with God. We don't like what God did. But God, you didn't have to take her. She was just in her prime. It's too early. I told you when we started, God is sovereign. He does. But you didn't have to use me. He chose to use you. A lot of times we're just angry. We just want to stay mad. We're not ready to release it. And sometimes we don't forgive others because we don't think they deserve it. Well, you know, that's why we call it grace. I got news for you. God forgave you and you didn't deserve it. And sad to say, truth be told, sometimes we don't forgive because we just don't love them. Because if you love, we talked about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We started off in verse 14. It says, love compels us. You know what the word compels means? Forces. It pushes. If I really love you, doesn't have to be my wife, my wife, my kids, my neighbors. If I love you, I am compelled to go after and forgive you. You know, we even make up stuff that sound good. Well, I know I got to love them, but I don't have to like them. Well, that don't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. I know what you mean because I've said it myself. It's just not biblical. Because when God forgave us, he gave us, remember, he forgave us before he even had a relationship with us. The Bible said while I was still his enemy, (laughs) he forgave me and showed me his love. 
But yet we, you know, we say, well, I, I got to love them, but I don't, I don't like them. No, because we say that about liking because we want to get to know them. And then if we like them, then we'll forgive them. But that's not forgiveness. Oh, no, God doesn't like everything we do. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we like everything that each other do. We don't like everything that we do ourselves. But love is not some shallow thing that's less than like. We've got to love each other the way that God loves us. And the honest truth, some of the reasons, like I said, that we don't forgive each other is because we're really mad at God and we're just others. Man, I, I, listen, I, 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 got, I got to wrap up. But let me tell you, I think this on the handout that I gave you. And, and I just want you to remember. Um, remember that God forgave us before he had a relationship with us. Remember to be quick to forgive others. Don't, 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 don't get into this thing about I'm not ready. Because you're playing with God's timing. While you're not ready and while you're messing around, God wants to be using you to reach others, just like he was doing with Jonah. Remember that God is watching. You know what I'm saying? I, I, got, I got to stop, but I, I got to stop. I mean, I, listen, remember when we, one of the first things we learned growing up in church was our, our the Lord's Prayer. And I, and I know I got to stop. Listen, but we taught the Lord's Prayer the way we want to teach it. You know, most of it out of Scripture, but we don't go the whole Scripture. You know how we do it. Because in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And here's what he said. He said, then when you pray, when you pray, here's what you say. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Listen to what he said. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Listen to what he said. But then... And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. But then verse 14, we don't usually include this in our prayer. And I think I know why. Because here's what Jesus said. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But Jesus didn't stop there. He said, but if you do not forgive others their sin." then your father will not forgive yours. Folks, love compels us. And the truth is, is that if you love God, then you'll love others. And if you love someone, you'll forgive them. John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That is the Christmas story, that God so loved the world. And it starts off with four, and then it says that he gave four, and he gave, and in the middle of that is love. Love compels us. You know, it's a joke in the pastors and the ministers circles you know we you know put a joke I don't think it's that funny but you know we see each other and how's the ministry going how's this and that and many of the joke is many pastors and ministers they'll tell you yeah ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people 
But you know, every time I hear that, I realize that whoever's saying that, even though they may be making a joke, they don't hear what God is saying. Because if they would take a moment to study the book of Jonah, they would realize the people in the ministry ain't got nothing to do with this. The biggest problem for my ministry is me. And keeping my focus on what God wants from me. Where is my good tidings and great joy? It's all wrapped up in the word and how I respond to it. And I pray that what we've shared today will bring you good tidings and great joy, all of you, for the next year to come. I hope that you've heard what the Lord has said. Somebody say amen.